This episode of the Gentleman Scofflaw podcast is brought to you by Patreon and the Gentleman Scofflaw merchandise page. Go to gentlemanscofflaw.com. In the menu, click the support or shop links to help support the show. You are listening to the Gentleman Scofflaw podcast. Listener beware. Rise and shine, the liquor store is open. I ain't got time for moping. I best be on my way. Well, I still got time to save my reputation. Time to go day drinking in this dirty little town. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Gentleman's Golf Law Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Crowder. Co-hosting with me in person, as per usual, is the Don, Donovan Fowler. Well, um, not really in person. Not really in I? person. It's just by force of habit. And you know what's yeah, not whatever. by force of habit? The podcast for the Rebel and the Renaissance. <laughs> I always forget to say that with the title of the show. Um, podcasting 101, you're supposed to do that. <laughs> um, uh, you know what? We'll get into asking you how you're doing, Donovan. But uh, we got to do this at the top of the show because it's uh, we got two new patrons uh, this week. Um, and we want to thank them. We got uh, Brian Batronis uh, joining at the Scofflaw level, and uh, Justin Hack two two A's in in Hack. He, nice. I'm going to call him the Double Renaissance Man level because he he our highest level is uh at the renaissance man and he did paid twice as as much as that so wow thank you for that thanks for being a double renaissance man yeah absolutely thank you from the bottom from the bottom of our glasses <laughs> from the bottom of our glasses um yeah if you guys want to become a supporter of the show of course it helps uh it, you know it just just helps us to get this thing off the ground and Indeed. uh especially with a lot of new changes we're making with video and stuff um so thank you sure. for uh for doing that and go ahead to patreon.com slash gent scofflaw if you want to find out how you could be a supporter how you doing, man? I, I'm doing fine. You know, I'm healthy. Yep. Got family around, and basically just uh, enjoying, you know, enjoying life a little bit slowed down. You know, I can see you're really living it up right now. For those who who aren't <laughs> yes, watching quite. the video, uh, Donovan yes. is uh, in full on tuxedo garb. <clears throat> you know, I woke up this morning and I said to my butler, I said. I think it's time to uh, up the game a little bit. Yeah. Stop, uh, stop bringing me my my normal tweed uh, suit uh, <laughs> that I wear in the winter months. Let's let's go dinner jacket and and black tie from now on. So uh, he uh, he helped me into my jacket and brushed off the the tops of the shoulders, and uh, I felt. I felt very much at home. <laughs> well, our guest later will uh, very mm. much approve it. Our style guy, yeah. uh, Tanner <laughs> Guzzi. Yeah, I forgot to I forgot to mention I was inspired. <laughs> in reality, <laughs> in reality, I was inspired by uh, Tanner Guzzi. I was like, well, if we're having the style guy on, why not? You know, style it up. Actually, it's funny because I'm I'm here at the family house in, in Kansas City because. Why go back to L.A. to just yeah. live in a tiny apartment yeah. like, like you are? I know. I commend you, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but anyways, um, I have this uh, tuxedo in my uh, closet from when I was in high school because uh, we all got fitted for tuxedos yeah. at this Jesuit high school, and uh, we graduated in them. I took uh, 
Angie Peterson to prom in this tuxedo. Oh, nice. She was, uh, yeah, real heartbreaker, that Angie Peterson. <laughs> oh, no. Is that a <laughs> no, real name or are you making one up? No, no, no. That's real. Actually, oh, no. she's probably married now. She was a great girl. I mean, she was, she was <laughs> very nice. I, I, I don't mean to disparage her in any way. Um, but no, uh, <laughs> I doubt she's listening. But uh, that <laughs> Maybe. Was, that was th- those were some good times back in uh, back in the day, but good, yes, good times yes, indeed. But it still fits. Yeah, so, it looks you know. good. It's good. Shoulders are a little wider than than. Uh, I, I was a football player. What do you want me to say, Jordan? <laughs> okay, we had to wear our pads everywhere. It, it was everywhere. like you never knew when you're going to get jumped by one of the you know opposing teams. That's so true. You never know. Uh, speaking of, uh, you you got a martini there. We got to do a little bit of housekeeping there. I yes, forgot yeah, about that. Do some housekeeping. So wh- what do you got there, Donovan? I have a, uh, I guess this would be considered a, a wet martini because I, I think I put a little bit more extra dry vermouth in it than, than uh, you would typically. So extra dry means it's wet? I didn't make the rules, okay? <laughs> I don't make the rules here. I'm not in management. No, uh, it. but it's technically, I guess we'll just go say it's a dirty martini garnished with three olives and made with our very own Trader Joe's. Uh, Art of the Still Vodka, which, dude, if you're looking for a good deal on vodka and gin, Trader Joe's has this new brand called Art of the Still. Really? And uh, looks classy, super cheap, and uh, good for making making all sorts of drinks with, which I've been experimenting over the course of this this time uh, away from things. So, yeah, it's been great. That's awesome. I've tried their – there's another gin they do. It's like Admiral Joseph or something. I've gotten that a lot over the years and liked it. I don't know if you've had that yeah. before. They have some, I, I, yeah, I think I know the one you're talking about because it has a guy on it in a uniform. Yeah. That sounds familiar. I think yeah, it's just brought, repackaged beef eater is what I've read. But it might be. <laughs> I, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, or, or it's either repackaged or they did it in the same uh, yeah. distillery. But which is like Trader Joe's bourbon. Their like Kentucky bourbon, I think, comes from the Buffalo Trace distillery, but it's not Buffalo yeah. Trace. I mean, you know it by the taste. But, um, but it's a, for a, the deal. It's like, well, sure, it's not Buffalo Trace, but it's fifteen bucks, and it yeah. does the trick. Does the trick. Um, I was speaking of which, trick. I've got here. I've got a, a kind of I a see. poor man's Moscow Mule because I didn't have any. Uh, um, limes. So it's just some, it's actually not a Moscow mule. It's a, uh, a Kentucky mule. Is what oh I've yeah. Okay. Here. With a little bit of, uh, let me guess, Evan Williams, a little bit of Evan Williams. It's all I have oh, left yeah. in the house right now. That's the well, one thing that, with quarantine is we've gone through all the all liquor you have left. That's all you need. <laughs> I know. Um, and right here I am smoking my little, uh, Barracini pocket pipe. And in it, I have some <laughs> Aaron Gobra pipe tobacco. I'll get that. Oh, uh, yeah, there. that's the spirit. That's the spirit. Even uh, That was more of a Scottish accent. I, pro- I apologize to all of our Irish listeners. Yeah, they're there. all going to be offended by that. Yeah. yeah. Um, while you're lighting that up, uh, man, I should have stocked up on cigars. I was a fool. Um, I went to a cigar shop called Diebels, who actually we may be interviewing one of the guys who uh who's the one of the clerks there because he was a who's very very dapper gent with uh with much knowledge on on all things tobacco but yeah, yeah Diebels cigar shop which is kind of a mainstay here in kansas city uh, over the plaza um they have great deals on 
my brothers and I smoked up a couple of cigars that were pretty, pretty good for the price. And they came from all these, like we were talking about with distilleries doing cheaper versions of whatever they do. Yeah. They came from like the punch factory or, you know, the, uh, uh, Macanudo factory, like, you know, which is probably more of a common thing. We yeah. can actually talk to the like guys seconds, about it. Seconds, they call them or whatever. Factory seconds from those factories. Something like that. Yeah. But ultimately, they had the Diebel's label on them. So it was cool. like you're paying, you know, really, you know, good price for uh, by good price. I mean, like you you weren't getting ripped off. Yeah, they're like um, what, like three but, bucks a stick or something probably? Or, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, I mean, That's it was awesome. like three fifty a, a stick. And, and But you were like, well, if it has this company if it has the shop's label on it they must believe in it yeah. and i took a gamble and it was it was good you know i mean it was it was good stuff so yeah. uh, i wish i had been more present at the time and bought you know a handful but are they not you know, considered an essential business <laughs> i don't think so well, actually I- <laughs> much to my chagrin uh, but uh yeah, it, it sucks, man. I mean, it's like, you yeah. know, you think, like, I can't be going through nicotine withdrawal. Well, they, this- <laughs> well, they say the cigar and pipe, uh, like, boom online has been doing well because people are ordering a lot oh, yeah. online right now because uh, they got all this time to smoke. Them. Uh, that's but I can point. send you some if you're not worried about getting my coronavirus or my lack. Who knows if I have it or not? It, Nobody knows, right? Keep all your your California germs <laughs> on that side of the coast, please. Yeah. We don't want them here in the Midwest. We, you know, <laughs> no. But uh, but I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. But I'll 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 actually, you know what? I'll look into. I I'd rather you know patronize in the in the best sense. Uh, these uh these shops online because uh yeah, there's they're a great great so. guy uh, named Tim Swanson at Cigars Daily, which he's actually going nice. to be a guest on the show. We've been talking uh with him about that. Um, he does a bunch of great YouTube videos on cigars. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does like I think it is a daily video. I mean that was called Cigars Daily. Um, but and he does his own like kind of like what you're talking about. He does his own kind of house blends and stuff that are really affordable. Um, and and Nice. Really good. So, uh, check. You should check them out online. A little plug for them. They didn't pay us to say sure. this. I just, I'm just a fan. <laughs> Jordan says as he quietly takes money under the table from somebody standing right off camera. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, how you been doing, man? How, how's everything going over uh, over on the? Uh, west coast i've been pretty good work has slowed down a little bit um which is kind of the case for everybody right now it seems um watching a lot of stuff on tv trying to get some screenplays going now that i got some a little bit of more downtime oh yeah Um, yeah seriously (laughs) how about you are you are you watching anything uh special on tv so let's see i uh well it being the easter season i actually uh I, it's been a long time. Typically, so every year at Easter, I'll rotate like a movie yeah. um, that is seasonal. So in other words, like typically it's like Ben-Hur, The Robe, if you've ever seen that one, or uh, Jesus of Nazareth, Passion of the Christ, something like that. And uh, this year, because, you know, I had a little bit more time on my hands and I was with uh, people, uh, I just decided I was like, okay, I'm just going to watch all of them. Like I watched <laughs> Prince of Egypt. I watched like Ten oh, Commandments. Right. I watched Ben-Hur. I watched Quo Vadis. I watched The Robe, Jesus of Nazareth, Passion of the Christ, pretty much every like biblical epic of that era. And it was really interesting comparing them, kind of seeing the timeline of like, so, you know, it occurred to me, obviously the comparison story-wise isn't quite right, but yeah. um these were like with Westerns 
kind of like the trend of the time. So in other words, like uh, like superhero movies are kind of the trend for the last 10 years. For uh, the 50s, it was like Quo Vadis, this one huge biblical epic about a Roman soldier in early times Christian yeah. period of Rome with Nero came out and it like made a ton of money and it kicked off all these other movies that ended up kind of culminating with Ben-Hur. Um, but anyways, yeah, it's been fun watching those because you look at them and you're like, you can see some of the effects, you know, some of the holes maybe in the effects or maybe the storytelling is a little uh, outdated in the way that the actors, you know, are, are presenting and everything. But overall, it's like, damn, I mean, they really did a fantastic job of uh, of doing an epic. I mean, yeah. you know, with with. Uh, with Hollywood backlots or going to Italy and stuff. So it's been really cool kind of watching that stuff. I've, I've really enjoyed that. That's awesome. I should, I should have done more of that. I've been waiting to watch a lot yeah, of shame stuff on you. with Lacey. Cause she still actually has to go in uh, right now. Um, but uh, she's still going into work. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's an well, entertainment industry. A and a curse. Yeah, it is both, uh, but yeah. it's an entertainment, an entertainment industry kind of loophole where like right. entertainment is considered media and media is considered essential <laughs> so to keep the troops entertained you know yeah, what i mean exactly so yeah. um although i think the law is there for members of the press covering the virus and the, and the <laughs> policies and laws around it right. and and it, all that stuff but uh so i guess it's both been a blessing but uh it also would have been nice to both be able to work from home together uh, for a little sure. while um but uh yeah we've been we i watched uh, gone with the wind for the first time i've never seen oh, no, that before <laughs> uh, i have a funny gone with the wind story when you're done <laughs> okay by the way. that and then playing a lot of we've been playing a lot of uh lacy and i lady scoff and i we've been playing a lot of backgammon uh big fans of that game now uh so yep. yeah but what was yep. your gone with the wind story well, first off, let me just say backgammon, you got me on to that. And uh, because I had been on, I, I had done backgammon like years and years ago. Like we got a backgammon set. It was a Lord of the Rings themed backgammon set. <laughs> That's crazy. I didn't know that in, existed. Like, 2003. Yeah, oh, yeah. Dude, my family was such Lord of the Rings fans. Yeah. I mean, we still are. But like yeah. back when the movies were coming out, yeah. we have like every version of the of games with Lord of the Rings theme, wow, like Risk, Backgammon, Checkers, <laughs> whatever. Um, it was funny, but yeah, Backgammon, man, it's great. It is, it is like the perfect game because it's so laid back. It's yeah. relatively easy to learn. Like yeah. I'm the kind of person I hate board games because I hate having things explained to me in short amount of time that I'm supposed to actually remember. Yeah, and uh, it, with Backgammon, I'm just like, okay, I can just learn this kind of as I go. It's Barely, I don't know, just the way it plays out, it doesn't stress me out. And I, you were actually saying that uh, it would be like the perfect game to take to a cigar lounge. Yeah. Or like a bar well, and like just set it up and just like kind of smoke and like drink and, yeah. and kind of have a good time. Well, apparently they're really common in like, in the Middle East and a lot of hookah lounges and co coffee shops and stuff. That makes like, a lot of sense, yeah. it or originates in present-day Iraq, I guess, is where it started. They say it's the oldest board game. It's like 5,000 years old. Wow. Um, so Shout it's even, to, yeah. Saddam, Saddam had his own like uh life size backgammon set <laughs> yeah. before we uh we yeah, took him out, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> life size, but uh, what I like about it, I think, is 
first of all, the aesthetics of it are really cool. The boards are really beautiful, and it almost has that kind of, especially are, yeah. almost like like a pool snooker table table kind of look to a lot of them that have that vintage kind of right. uh, yeah, style. Yeah, yeah. But they, the game itself, to me, is kind of got some of the strategy strategy of chess, but it moves yes. fast like checkers. And then yeah, you've got exactly. the chance element to it, which is like a, more like a card game or something, you know, kind of all blended yeah. in. So I don't know. I uh, and also you can pack it up, like you can just like it, I mean, yeah. most of the backgammon sets come in like a suitcase. Yeah, and, I've got uh, one here actually. Yeah, yeah, my dad's really into it. He, it's his favorite game. Yeah, exactly. Like you could like easily like just take that on a camping trip, take it to a bar, or whatever. Um, but. Yeah, it's good that way. Um, okay, so before I forget, the Gone with the Wind story. So obviously Gone with the Wind is one of those epics that was like a huge deal when it came out. And it's be it's it's been it's it's remained a huge deal since it came out. It's one of like the, you know, regardless of how you feel about it politically, you know, or historically, it's like it's sort of like you have to acknowledge it as one of the epics of of all time. Yeah. So, anyways. My roommate and I, uh, we were, uh, it was Saturday night and we were watching the USC game and we had, you know, done away with maybe a six pack and a half of beer during the USC game. We had been grilling all that time and stuff and we were having a good time. It was a, it was a really good game. So I, I love after like football games, I love to keep the ball rolling entertainment wise. Yeah. So like after the Super Bowl, it's always been a tradition of like, let's see what like good action movies on Netflix and let's go ahead and just watch that and make milkshakes and just yeah. have a, have a good time into the wee hours in the morning. So, uh, in this case, uh, we, we stumbled upon wizard of Oz on television <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, you know, we were, we finished off the second six pack and I, I was going over the film history of wizard of Oz. And I said, Oh yeah, this came out about the same time as gone with the wind. Yeah. My roommate was like, well, I've never seen gone with the wind. And I grew up in a household with four sisters who all like loved Clark Gable and Vivian Lee and all this stuff. And they yeah. read the book and all that. So I was like, you've never seen gone with the wind. So I ran up to my room, got the DVD I was like, okay, let's watch it. I, cause I hadn't seen him probably yeah. 10 years. So I was like yeah. curious to see myself. So we had a bottle. I had a bottle of aviator gin that I had taken to a, a gin tasting party. You may have been there. The gin tasting party. You remember that? Uh, I remember going to a, bur- like a, uh, a maybe, whiskey maybe bourbon you, tasting or a scotch you, tasting party. It might be the same people, but I might've been it absent. It was the same that people, but okay. that night we did gin and I've nice. never really quite experimented with gin before. I think maybe I had like a mini bottle of beef eater the first time I ever drank. But like, other than that, I was never really a gin guy. Yeah. But I taste aviator gin and I'm like, this is actually really good. And I love the aesthetic of the bottle and stuff. Yeah. And I'm watching the movie and I'm like, wow, this movie is like, you know, like, you know, it's huge. And like all this stuff. I'm having a good time. And we're mixing the gin with this uh, orange liqueur, which uh, was not being properly, you know, it wasn't being <laughs> properly proportioned to how much gin was in the glass. Yeah. Let's put it that <laughs> not the right so ratios. Throughout, this was like one of the first times I really realized that if you're ever drinking and you you start to think like, you know what? I'm doing okay. Like, I'm like, I'm just sitting here, you know, having my drink. Like, I'm feeling good. You know, you're buzzed, all this stuff. That's the point of where you should really just slow down. Like, you should not, like, don't chase that high, in other words. (laughs) So, but me being, you know, young and dumb, 
I, I, I did that very thing. And I kept going back to the gin bottle and just like, was like, you know, Oh, this is so good. And then whew, next morning, the most, well, let's just skip over the night. The whole night was kind of a, we, we made it to the middle of the movie and he went to bed and I, I went to the bathroom. Let's just put it that way. And, uh, I, I dude, the next morning I had the most bone cracking hangover of oh, my no. life. I remember laying on the couch and just shivering it was so bad like it was just one of those like you just feel like you have the worst version of malaria (laughs) and uh and anyways so my roommate comes up and he's like hey you ready to go to the bills game and i'm just like i had completely forgotten that we had tickets to the bills game so cut to me sitting on the subway uh rocking myself back and forth like sunglasses on i'm just like (laughs) Trying not to, my, my main imperative at that point was just don't throw up all over the place. <laughs> and, uh, luckily I made it to the bills game. Everything was, you know, slow, eventually things, you know, faded away, but, um, yeah, be careful when mixing gin with, uh, gone with the wind is, is the, is the, uh, <laughs> it's a long movie, story. a lot of refills. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you're going to, if you're going to crack open a bottle during an Epic like that, yeah. uh, maybe wait till the intermission. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, I will say though, like for as long as the movie is, it moves really fast. Like when well, you don't it feel it's, like it's, it's well long. Yeah, it, it and, definitely. And Clark Gable, for all of his personal faults, which I've been reading about lately, I, I was diving into old sordid tales of Hollywood, and his name came up quite often. Oh. He was a great masculine star yeah. of that era, and he his version of uh, um, shoot the the name of the character is. Uh, Rhett Butler yeah. is just, it's, it's just classic. You're just like, Oh yeah, I want to be that guy. Yeah. Cause he's, you know, he's tough, but he's also, he, he's, he's a gentleman scofflaw. I yeah. mean, honestly, That's if we're going to be honest, like if, if we were to pick a, like a guy from film, it would either be Humphrey Bogart or probably be Clark Gable from that movie. Yeah, for sure. Minus the like racism a, or implied racism. Well, he, yeah, 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 exactly. He, well, he's the kind of guy like in the beginning, like you, you kind of look at him and you're like, yeah, you're, you're a little ahead of the time, aren't yeah. you? Like you're, you're, you're just in this, you're in all of this just for profit, which yeah. I guess is considered racist but, <laughs> but ultimately you know he doesn't like you, you can tell like he's not an ideologue at the beginning of the movie he's yeah. basically like yeah i like to make money and you know i i have certain set of principles but he's he's one of those like um uh smuggler rogues yeah know, kind of fun modern rogue all right let's let's go to a, a little segment we like to call listener mail All right, uh, now's the part of the show where we interact with you, the listener. Um, where can people interact with us, Donovan? Twitter, Instagram. <laughs> I like how every Facebook. time you have to pause and remember. <laughs> Social media is not my game, my friend. Um, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, you can uh, leave a review for us on iTunes. You can leave a review for us on youtube uh, uh yeah if you get if you give us youtube comments we'll we'll, we'll we can read those too yeah, fill out those youtube comments please yeah. um but yeah overall i i would say those are probably the the main ways uh, on top of that you can oh you can also call the number and yeah. you can uh leave us a voice message if you 
you know, if you're not a weirdo, if you're not a weirdo, uh, call we seem to attract. We seem to attract the weirdos. It seems these to be days, only weirdos on the voice messages. Yeah, but. which you know, I mean, you know, they keep things uh, light, you know, yeah. and fun. <laughs> well, as long as they're not knocking on your back door in the middle of the night. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So uh, if you want to leave us a voicemail, you can call the number man eight one scoff. Right now, we've got some iTunes reviews. What does that first one say there, Donovan? Oh yeah, I totally forgot to pull up the show notes. All right, so I'll give me start. A second I'll here. start, and you can do the second you, one. Yeah. <laughs> I, right. Hey, hey. To be fair, I was in full screen this entire time. I was giving my undivided attention <laughs> to you. Exactly. So, you know. Um, what we need is a prompter in front of my camera so I can remember to look at the camera. This is, whole thing is still new to me. But uh, so, so we've got. You're supposed uh, to know what you're doing all right i'm gonna read this now because you're starting to break up a little bit i'll let it catch up while i read this it says fun show from some fun show of what no fun show from some fun folks from (laughs) Fasty 321 he says great conversation kind of thought provoking sometimes an (laughs) all-around good time laugh okay question mark Is this is this like a? Did you pay somebody from Nigeria to write this? I may have. Oh um, I, yeah, I, I like that laugh. Okay, question mark. I'm not completely sure uh, what that means, but thank you for that. We appreciate yeah. that. We appreciate the five star review, regardless. Absolutely. <laughs> What's that next one say there, Donovan? Uh, wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. Here we go. Okay, so uh, we have five stars coming from Mr. Fredro. Fredro, okay. Um, these gentlemen and scofflaws, parentheses, bring the goods each episode, often discussing topics I didn't even know I'd be interested Oh, I didn't even know I'd be interested in. Fill a glass, smoke them if you got them, and enjoy. Keep up the fine work, gents. Gosh, if I could only read these uh, <laughs> these reviews would go a lot smoother. Thank you very much, yeah. Mr. Fredro. Thank you, Mr. Fredro. I uh, appreciate Fredro. that. Yeah. Um, I, was, I was my head was in uh, Godfather Part Two when I was reading that, <laughs> Mr. Fredro. Mr. You broke my heart, Fredro. Say, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we try to find subjects that'd be interesting. I feel like the most there's always subjects that you don't know about that could be interesting as long as you have interesting people to hear it from. And so we try to have interesting guests to talk about different subjects and it's always good to be a Renaissance man, have a little bit of knowledge of everything, right? Absolutely. (laughs) All right. This next review says too good. The pooty too good. (laughs) (laughs) This is the title. (laughs) I'll, I'll I'll get on board with that. That sounds like a a solid, uh, (laughs) A solid, you know, review. <laughs> says beyond the Mac podcast is the one that said that. He says, love this show. It's so funny, wicked and weird. Mm, wicked. wicked. Wicked and weird. Wicked and weird. Maybe he's from Boston. I think he's Maybe. from Boston. 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 <laughs> it's wicked weird. You got to listen to this podcast, right? It's wicked and weird. It's wicked. All right. Uh, let's go to a, a little uh, voicemail here we have on our uh, answering machine. Hi guys, things have devolved a little bit, but I'm safe. I wanted you to know that everything's okay. Uh, you know, just is it. tell your family every day how much they mean to you, okay? Oh. Just promise me that. I hope you're having fun, scoffing laws. I miss you guys. I'll touch base soon. 
All right. So that that was obviously oh, from Johnny Boy, but I don't know what's happening in the background there. I think he's in an iPhone factory and they're shooting the workers who are trying to escape. Oh, I didn't know there was an iPhone factory in Canada. But maybe uh, well, who knows? Maybe he got <laughs> deported to China. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but actually, honestly, I, th- I if I were to guess, if I if I had to pin my life on it, I'd say was he at the shooting range? <laughs> maybe, which also sounds very uncharacteristic for Canada. But maybe <laughs> what happened last time was he got caught by those uh, those Canadian fellows that you always talk about, those law enforcement fellows, <laughs> the RCMP. And, uh, yeah, the RCMP. He got caught by them, uh, taken to interrogation, beaten to like a bloody pulp. But because he has a good sense of humor and he can crack some jokes, he started to become friends with them over time. Oh. So, you know, they started giving him cigarettes and, you know, like, you know, some back and forth. And he maybe gives him a little bit you know, BS information. It's like that guy in Vietnam that pretended yeah. that he was dumb and then remembered all the names of the prisoners of war. And then exactly. once he, once he, once. I don't know who you're referring to, but yeah, that like, like kind of like that, that definitely that prisoner guard dynamic kind of thing. And uh, you know, maybe every once in a while they, they take him to the shooting range just to blow off some steam. Yeah. Cause they can trust that's, that's the narrative in my head. Yeah. That's what's happening. Well, John, we hope you're staying safe and, uh, hopefully we'll hear another yeah. update soon um you know what let's take a quick break and we'll be back with tanner guzzy of masculine style give us some tips about uh being at home in quarantine and how you can make the best of it also uh some cool uh probably some style tips from the from the man himself men or women this one's for you Let me take a second to talk to you about GORUCK. Now, you've heard us on this show talk about their awesome endurance events, which are, you know, great for fitness and team building. But of course, they are known for their amazing gear. Some of the best gear in the world, actually. I myself own a GR1 rucksack for all my rucking and training. I also have one of their uh, 30-pound ruck plates, which is so convenient because I could just drop it in the laptop compartment on my bag, and I have a weighted ruck. It's super cool. But one of my all-time favorite things that they offer are their sandbags. Now, if you've never trained with a sandbag, you're in for a treat. I love that you can keep it in the trunk of your car and take it to the park, and you have a gym anywhere. Ever try doing sandbag man-makers with 60 pounds? I mean, you get a fun and very hard training session in really quickly. Um, It's a big bag of suck in all the right ways. Now, even if you're not in the rucking, they have tons of sleek apparel for the outdoors in addition to their gear uh, that is tough as nails and built to military standards. Also, their apparel and gear offer their scars a lifetime warranty. So you buy the item once and that's it. You're set for life. But you know what the greatest thing is about GORUCK? All of it is made in the good old USA and by special forces veterans, mind you. It doesn't get more badass than that. That's right, America. To check out GORUCK gear, go to gentlemanscofflaw.com slash GORUCK and anything you buy through that link helps support the show. That's gentlemanscofflaw.com slash GORUCK. Whether it's for your fitness regimen, your, you know, your outdoor lifestyle, or just, you know, a great bag for everyday carry, um, you're going to want to check them out. GORUCK, built in the USA. All right, Donovan, um, I'm excited to have this guest. This actually was, I think, our second guest ever on the Gentleman's Cough Law podcast. Yeah, um, back he, in the day. He is a men's uh, style expert 
and uh, also just kind of, I would say, I would say a life expert because he puts out a lot of content there that that is helpful uh, for self improvement. Uh, Tanner Gutsy, thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me back on. I didn't realize I was your second guest. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, you were on really early on when we were. Gosh, that was 2017, probably around this yeah, time. Yeah, a while. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, I'm glad oh, to be back. That was such a fun show, and so I'm, I'm glad to be back. Well, thanks for doing it. Um, what you've been doing, uh, well, I saw a, a, a video you posted recently um, that was super helpful. It was called uh, How to Survive Family Quarantine. Mm-hmm. Um, and you had some really great tips on there on just kind of like dealing with this kind of weird situation we're in where everybody's at home together all the time and having to work from home and, uh, be, you know, being around people you love, maybe a little too much all the time. Um, So I just wanted to kind of go through some of this stuff you talked about in that video and expand upon it. Yeah. Yeah. So what, I mean, first of all, how is your, your quarantine going? I mean, it's been a couple of weeks since you posted that. Has it changed for you or? Yeah, I mean, we're, what, five, six weeks in now? I think for us, we started taking it seriously when uh, when the NBA, uh, when they shut down that jazz game. And they were just like, this is, this is not happening, right? Yeah. I remember being out at a restaurant with some friends, and it was like, oh, all of a sudden, they're getting emails from their employers, like, you know, we're, we're going to start implementing work from home and everything. And so however long that's been, five years, it feels like at this point, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think five or six weeks. The thing that's interesting about this for us is that I already work from home and we already homeschool our kids. And so our lives are like 90% normal compared to what they would have been otherwise. I've Mm -hmm. had to get creative with some business stuff in order to keep revenue where I want it to be with that. And my kids are starting to go absolutely insane because it used to be that we would just send them out the door after they were done with school. And then we wouldn't see them for a few hours because they were either out adventuring on their own or when their friends would get home from school, they would be playing in friends' backyards and stuff like that. And now they just do the adventuring on their own, but their friends, nobody's, nobody's kids are playing with each other. And so that's probably the only way that our lives have really been affected is my kids. I'm at the point where I miss my kids' friends because my kids have good friends. But, you know, <laughs> like it's it's at this point where that's for us, thankfully, and I'm so grateful because we haven't dealt with death. I haven't had my income just completely die off. It's not like my wife was also working a full-time job and we now have to juggle how am I going to work while she's working. So many people have it so much harder than we do. Yeah. And so for us, it's been it's been a pretty pretty good time with minimal sacrifice. So we've been really blessed that way. That's really good to hear. Yeah, that not not a lot of people get that get to be in that situation, but for a lot of people do have to work from home nowadays, whether it's for themselves or they have a business or that they're working for a company and they've moved, you know, to telecommuting. Um, mm-hmm. so what are some tips you have kind of for working at home for trying to get into that groove? So the two biggest things that I can recommend and there's stuff that we'll be able to flesh out even beyond that, but the first thing is you need to be able to have a separate space in which you can get work done. And a lot of that involves mental triggers as far as like you clock in and you clock out and you're able to think about I'm in work mode. And so much of it is for you. And so much of it also is for your family. Mm -hmm. They need to be able to recognize that. Oh, cool. Just because dad's here 
doesn't mean that dad's here like it's a prolonged weekend or something else. They need to recognize that physical presence does not equal mental presence, and you need to be able to do the same thing. And one of the easiest ways to be able to do that is physical space. Now, if you're lucky or blessed or whatever it may be that you've got a home office, then that's awesome. Take advantage of that. Yeah. I know for me, when I first started working for myself three years ago, we had three kids and we lived in a tiny little three-bedroom townhome. And my son and I shared a bedroom where half of it was where his bed was and his, his dresser. And then the other half was where my office was. It was my desk and stuff like that. <laughs> he wasn't allowed into his own room when I was in there working. And then I couldn't go in and work when, when he was sleeping and stuff like that. But even just that little like four by eight space that was mine made yeah. it so much easier. I could shut the door. They knew that they couldn't come in. I knew that when I was in there, I could focus on work mode and I could, I could get involved with that. So that's, yeah. that's the first thing is have some yeah. really good physical barriers that are just as important for you mentally as they are for the rest of your family. The second one is do not try to replicate the way that you work when you're in an office, mm. because if you, if you're going to be totally honest with yourself and you should be, you probably spend what three hours of actual productive time doing work most of us and the rest of it is like oh i'm gonna go talk to the guys or you know i'm like getting ready to go to lunch or i'm winding down from coming back from lunch or i'm pretending to work but i'm checking twitter or whatever else and you don't have to do all of that other stuff and so don't think that just because you used to clock in from eight to five or whatever it may be that that's the time that you need to be sequestered in this space take advantage of the fact that you can go have lunch with your family. Yeah. Take advantage of the fact that like yesterday, I was in between calls with clients and I spent an hour and a half working out in the yard and actually getting some sun and doing stuff like that. And it wasn't that, oh, I need to save this for Saturday. And so instead of thinking about things from a time perspective, think about them from what are the tasks that I want to get done? What are the calls that I need to take? What are the what are the things that I need to get checked off my list today? And if that takes 10 hours to get it done, then yeah, take the 10 hours. If that takes two hours to get it done, then don't feel guilty for clocking out, mentally clocking out after two hours and spending the rest of the day doing stuff that you want to do, doing stuff with your family, getting other stuff done around the house, whatever it may be. Yeah, those are really good tips because I, my wife and I worked from home for years together and we didn't have our own separate spaces, but well, our separate rooms, we had our own separate kind of desk kind of spaces. And our way to do that was whenever we had our headphones on, we're yes. in work mode. Don't like, don't talk to us or <laughs> don't talk to each other. And Perfect. then when, when they're off, you could ask whatever question or follow up with whatever we need to do. And that was super helpful for us. But um, in the beginning, it was just like, because we're working together, it's like, hey, how's that going? Or, you know, where are we on that one thing? And you could just like, and it was like still work, but we were just, it was just constant interruptions. And I yep. feel like with a, with a, you know, even having kids around and stuff, having to establish that, Hey, if I'm in my, if I'm in my palace, don't my mind palace, don't bother me. <laughs> yep. My kids even have this kind of extra barrier where I have this little like soundproof blanket oh, nice. that I can drop down from my wall in <laughs> yeah. front of the door. And it's like, dad's doing a podcast. So you got to be extra quiet. And so there's yeah. even that other kind of extra level that comes with it. Yeah. That helps too. And, and I, and I love what you said too, about the, a lot of people when they work from home, they think they need that, that nine, you know, that create that nine to five kind of boundary, like, or like, it's kind of like the, this, you know, like this false boundary that I need to be working constantly from this time to this time. And <clears throat> I did the same thing a couple of years ago, just trying to figure out working from home where I would make like a list of like five tasks every day that I needed to do. 
And when I completed those, I was done. And then I would use, you know, the other time to get other stuff done that needed to be, that that wasn't necessarily work-related. Because with me, I could just keep going on, even if there's Mm -hmm. stuff I got to do tomorrow, I could just keep going on and on and on and on until it's bedtime. And then it's, you know, that's not a healthy way to live. (laughs) No, not at all. Especially because so much of it, like for what we do, is I I can make the justification that my goofing off on Twitter is work because it's marketing and it's creating content and everything else. And so it can be really easy to spend 12 hours doing that and say, Oh, I was working really hard today. And so it is, <laughs> there's the tendency to either fill up time with unnecessary work, or yeah. if you are doing work to never be able to clock out in either way, just, just be task oriented for yeah. sure. Yeah. And it was fun because we, since we worked together from home, we realized, Oh, like, Hey, we, we, these are done. We've got the afternoon now. It's L.A. and everybody's at work on a Tuesday or whatever. We could go to this museum that we've always wanted to go and it yes. won't be packed or whatever. And we just kind of took advantage of that kind of stuff. It's just kinda, we can't do that now, but, right. but there's other <laughs> stuff you can do. You can play Boggle or something. You can go to the laundry room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. make, make a field trip out there. Yeah. An adventure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so obviously this whole kind of situation, the quarantine situation has disrupted people's routines. Um, do you have any suggestions in terms of how, trying to make some normalcy out of all of, all of this? Cause even outside of work, um, people's lives are just completely disrupted by it. Yeah, absolutely. The, the biggest thing that I can say again, we'll, we'll go with two. Okay. Yeah. So the first one, to help it feel more normal and help it be established of more of a routine. You guys are going to be surprised to hear this because I'm the style guy, but get dressed every day. Yeah. Right. And I, I, yeah, thank you. In a, in a full tuxedo. <laughs> <laughs> nothing less, nothing more, nothing maybe less. a smoking jacket. With <laughs> yes. blue, <but> yeah. <laughs> and your opera pumps and everything else, but really like get dressed every day. And no, that doesn't mean that you need to suit up, but just like we talked about physical space, being able to be, a, it's a trigger, right? Mm-hmm. I'm in work mode or I'm out of work mode or something else. You need to be able to do that with as many triggers as you can set up. And clothing is a huge one. One of the things that I always come back to is you remember the intro to Mr. Rogers when yeah. he comes home and he takes off his shoes and he puts off his other shoes and he takes off one cardigan and puts on another cardigan. Yeah. And it's really not that different looking at all. <laughs> like, like, why did you do this? This isn't casual. Yeah. But it's because for him, it's this, I'm now out of work mode and I'm into my home and my relaxed mode. And it's the same thing. So still get dressed. And for me, that's uh, usually a Henley and a pair of jeans. And most of the time I don't even have shoes on, but I still at least get dressed to the point where I have had days where I take too long at the gym and I don't have a chance to shower and I'm trying to do client calls and I've thrown on a hat and I've got on just like a ratty t-shirt and you just feel like you're off your game. And so whether yeah. it's you're in your pajamas or your gym clothes or anything else, and irrespective of whether or not you're actually talking to people doing a video conference or you're just trying to bang your workout, it's that internal mindset as far as am I in work mode or am I still in like post-workout or post-sleep mode or something else like that. Yeah. So get dressed yeah. is the first. Yeah, that may- Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, sorry. I, I, you, there was a delay there, and I didn't realize you were going to number two. But you oh, did yeah. say you would go into two, so go into yeah. two. <laughs> Let me go into two. Come on. <laughs> number two, keep exercising. Or if you weren't doing it before, mm. start exercising. And I yeah. know, again, this is one of those arenas where I'm really spoiled because a lot of you guys have to do body weight workouts. And thankfully, 
every fitness influencer in everywhere on every platform is created awesome body weight only programs. And there are tons of them that you can find out and go do. I've got a full home gym and that's where I've been working out for the last eight months anyway. And so my, my physical training hasn't had to change all that much. Although I will say that taking advantage of the fact that it's spring and if you can get outside and even just walk or you're doing running or biking or swimming or whatever it is that you can do that's still social distancing and sorry you're in LA and you're going to get arrested for that. But for the rest <laughs> of us, that's not the case. But really, as much as you can get outside and get sunlight and do some exercise that way, it does so much for your hormones. It does so much for your mindset. And then you kind of have to set a schedule to do that. So am I going to yeah. work out in the mornings? Am I going to work out in the afternoons? What am I going to do to be able to make this work? And then you give yourself a definitive time. And so it helps from that routine perspective just as much as it helps with the the mental and the physical and all the other perspectives as well. Yeah. For sure. That's been a big thing. I remember like the first couple of weeks where it disrupted kind of our schedule, not working out as much. And it was just mm-hmm. like feeling so just feeling so kind of depressed and, and, and just, like it makes a huge, especially getting outside for me. Like I, that's, yes. I always go to the park and, and, and there's a, there's a hiking trail and a soccer field and I like bring a sandbag and I go and work out at the park and that's a, that's what I like to do. But, um, yeah, I mean, be not like you said, everybody's got some sort of, um, you know, body weight thing they're promoting on social media right now or whatever. It's like, you don't need all the whistles and bells. If you don't have a gym, just get moving. I think is a good mm-hmm. idea. <laughs> no, uh, there's you, some, you might need, you, you might need all the whistles and kettlebells, though. That's <laughs> true. That's true. Man, I, I've got a group of uh, I've got a group of guys that are in. I have a kind of a fatherhood uh, mastermind or a, or an online group that I'm a part of, and one you know, and we've been focusing this month on our physical stuff and basically our exercise and how we're doing that ourselves, how we're leading our families that way. And it's been really cool to see a lot of these guys who prior to quarantine and everything else were a little bit more lackadaisical and a little bit more passive about their workouts have now like converted rooms in their home into a gym and they're building benches and squat racks just out of wood that they've been able to go pick up at like home Depot or whatever. But there's this, this added incentive of, I, uh, I need to be able to feel like I've got something that I'm in control of in my life. I yeah. can't be in control of all these other things, but now I can at least be in control of my fitness. Whereas before I've been able to push that off because I've got all these other things that I'm worried yeah. about or anything else. For sure. Yeah. That's, that's super awesome. Yeah. I've, I've noticed too, where I've just been, I've been like, normally I would, I'm trying to bang out something before I got to get to work or whatever, but just mm-hmm. taking more time on it. So my routine has changed a little bit, but like I, now I get a lot for that time to, you know, to take the time to do that. And I, I like it. Too. I like being outside and stuff. And there's something about being in the sunlight. I think, I don't know if there's, if there's any science behind that, but being in the sunlight for me, it's like, Oh, I feel so much better. <laughs> yes. I don't care if it's bro science. I'm going to take yeah. it too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, if it's a placebo effect, it's still, still working on your brain. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. Um, so what, wh- what are some things that people can do that they've got all this time on their hands now? Um, what should they be doing with some of that time? Is there anything that they could they could take advantage of with that? Yeah, get better at your style. Hire me and I'll teach you how to know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but really, now is the perfect time to be doing self-development stuff. Yeah. Right? And I love that you have just like we see in, in almost everything else, there's the, now this, what, bifurcation of people who are like, 
quarantine and chill, or this is now my time that I can go into monk mode and I'm going to come out of this with a side hustle and I'm going to be in better shape and I'm going to, my wife and I are going to have a better relationship and I'm going to be a better father and I'm going to have, like, there's so many different things that you can start to work on. And yeah. so now is the perfect time to, to basically figure out what that is. What is the thing that you've always been holding back on? Maybe it is a side hustle. Maybe it is building a social media presence. Maybe it's writing that book. Maybe it's getting in better shape. Maybe it's finally, maybe, maybe you shouldn't be tackling, you know, relationship issues with your spouse right now, but you know, there's so many things. There's so Nowhere many to things, go. So many, exactly. Right. There's no escape after that. <laughs> but so many things that we all procrastinate. Yeah. And again, one of the big benefits to this is the same thing that we talked about with fitness. So much of our lives, it's just out of our control right now. Yeah. And so the more that you can get control of something, I was, I was really grateful. So we're not Catholic, but we, uh, we decided we were going to do Lent this year because the idea of sacrifice and stuff like that is really yeah. good. And the two of the things, two of the things that we had decided to do for Lent was I was going to intermittent fast every day until three o'clock and we were only going to have sugar on Sundays. And that was, mm. that was basically it. And with all the chaos and everything else that was going on around us and the fact that my business was going in weird directions and there was just, it was so unknown. There was something for me that was so satisfying about being able to root in. Yeah, but I can still control if I'm going to eat before I decided I was going to eat today, mm. or I'm still in control of whether or not I'm going to give in and I'm going to consume this sugar because I really, really want to, even though I said I wasn't going to do it on Sundays. And so having some sense of control and doing that through whatever it is that you want to work on to improve yourself is such a good way to not just take advantage of the fact that you've got all this downtime, but to come out of it better because we are going to come out of it. You can decide if you're going to come out of it better or come out of it worse and then really just set yourself up to to make big changes so that this ends up being a cool catalyst as opposed to this absolute, you know, you're getting hobbled at the knees because of what's gone on for the last few weeks. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I, I also like to, in your video, you were talking about kind of setting the tone kind of for your family mm -hmm. and stuff, that idea of um, – of not letting the kind of fear and anxiety kind of take over your life. And that's kind of falls in line with what you're just talking about where it's like you could decide how you're going to interpret this whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause it is, you are the one, you're the one who sets the tone, period, yeah. <laughs> right? It's, it's just the nature of how it runs and that's politically incorrect and whatever, but you as no. the dad, you're the one who gets to set the tone. <laughs> and if everybody sees you as freaking out and fearful and you're irritable and you're, and you're stressed out, then that's the vibe that your whole home is going to be in. Or if everybody sees you as being complacent and it's like, well, yeah, we don't, you know, we can just, we'll watch more TV. We'll do more screen time. We can just hang out in our PJs all day. We're going to order in more takeout or whatever. Then that's the thing that's going to be what is their norm that's established for them too. And this is not the only time in our lives that we're going to deal with crisis. It may be that most of them are on a more micro level. It's probably likely that we're going to deal with more of them on more of a macro level. And so if you can set the tone for yourself and for your kids that when crises happen, we step up, we act and we thrive. Think about how good that's going to be for them when they deal with their own mini crises or these big macro ones that they're going to end up facing in the future as well. Yeah. For sure. I mean, that's, I mean, that makes a huge difference. I remember just as a kid, um, 
we had this big thing in Canada <laughs> called, in 1998. It's called. It was like the big ice storm of 1998. And mm-hmm. everybody was without power, and uh, you know, like some the grid was down for months in some places. And I just remember, my, like, people were freaking out, but my dad had this kind of calm demeanor about it all. Like, I never even worried about it. And then I found out later, like, all my friends and stuff, all the the panic and stuff they were going through. And it's like, well, that that was that was nice to have a dad like that that wouldn't that didn't make us freak out about all of that because we could have we probably could have died without power in the cold for two months. Seriously, yeah, <laughs> yeah. especially up there. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and no, it's a perfect example. You, your kids, my kids are aware because they don't get to hang out with their friends. But emotionally, they're oblivious to what's going on in the world around them right now. It yeah. sucks that they don't get to play with their friends. It's annoying, and we're trying to teach them about responsibility. But my kids don't feel this chronic sense of ennui or fear or panic or anything else. They're just normal. Yeah. And that's what I, you should do. And I love that your dad gave you that because that's what we should do for our kids is be able to give them as much of that normalcy as we can. Yeah, for sure. And well, how talking about your kids how's how's homeschooling going i know you were doing this beforehand but what about people that now suddenly have to start homeschooling um and they've never done it before yeah so the first thing that i'll say and you know take this with whatever legal grain of salt or whatever you need to but throw out all the stuff that your teacher your kids teachers are giving them and everything (laughs) because they're all gonna they're all gonna move on to the next grade anyway and most most areas have been told that you know this is it for the school year yeah the The best thing that we can do, and again, same thing, you get task-oriented, right? For us, school lasts most of the time about an hour. When the kids are really having a hard time with it and you have to just say, okay, well, you can't leave the table until you get this this job done or anything else, and sometimes it takes three. But for the most part, school lasts for an hour. It's an hour and a half, and that's the actual like regimented curriculum of – we're learning math or we're learning reading and writing or or stuff like that. But more importantly than that – School is all also always happening. Mm-hmm. One thing that you can do that's so good for your kids because you – how often do you hear young kids, especially from the age of like three to six, what's the most common question they ask? Why? Yeah. All the time. Why? 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 How come? Why? Why does this work? <laughs> right? We're naturally very curious. We are autodidacts by nature. Yeah. And it sucks that school – it kills that out of us to the mm-hmm. point where – Learning becomes a chore. It becomes this thing that we don't want to do. It becomes this thing that we hate. And so if you can take your kid's natural desire to want to know why and you let them lead and you just follow on that, you go down those rabbit holes with them, especially because now we've got so many resources that are available to us. If your kids want to know how crayons are colored, watch YouTube videos about that. You know, what's the difference between how they make red ones and orange ones or different things. And then they're going to ask questions. Okay, well, what's it made of? What's wax? And then you can watch videos about that, or you can go down Reddit, you know, rabbit holes or anything like we have so many tools available to us that your kids let them nerd out and go as deep as they want to on these things and then do it with them. Because a lot of this stuff is stuff that you're not going to know either. You know, one of the things that I've been doing with my son for the last month, he's six and I want him to be introduced to more stories of heroism because a lot of the, the podcasts and the stories that they listen to, especially because we've got three girls, are stuff that they're a little bit more girly. Yeah. And so my son, we just went through – we got this great book that was all the Greek myths and legends. And we learned about the original Greek gods and all these other sub-gods and Hercules and Theseus and Jason and the Argonauts and all this stuff. And it's really fun 
that one, my son wants to dive even deeper in on this stuff. And it's really interesting and fascinating to him. And then two, I'm looking at this going, okay, I know that these are really kind of watered down kids versions. And so now I'm doing more research on this myself (laughs) because I'm interested in it. And how do I tie this into my own stuff? And then we can both come at it from our own different directions. And, And so it's reawakening some of my own natural curiosity in me as well. And it's all just because my son, when I asked him what he wanted to learn about, that was, you know, stories of heroes and stuff like that. He was interested in the Disney movie Hercules. And so it starts to to build out and expand from there. And so let them lead, but don't just let them do it on their own. Do it with them. Yeah. And it's so much fun. It's so much fun to get to do it that way. Yeah, that's I mean, that's great. I, I, I just remember as a kid thinking like there's. School seemed like such a missed opportunity a lot of the time, when you're, at least when you're really young. My dad always used to complain that he used to think that homework was robbing us of, like, our family time and that development and that kind of growing as a – like, that it would take – you know, you're at school all day and you come home, you've got four hours of work to do, and it's stuff that you're probably not ever going to use again. Seriously. <laughs> right. And it's so, it's so cool that, like, people are in this stage now where, like you said, you, they can learn whatever they want to do, and they've got this time, and, and you could kind of guide them through that. Um, but I would have loved that as a, as, a, as a kid. I don't know if you know much about, like, the Enneagram or if it means anything to you, but I, I'm, like, my personality is just somebody that is very into investigating things. Mm-hmm. And so the Internet is, like, the best and worst thing for me. <laughs> I can spend days learning about whatever weird niche thing that I'm interested in. But it would be great for kids, though. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's awesome. All right. Uh, Donovan. I know Donovan. Uh, Donovan is there looking for those of you who are listening to the podcast. Donovan is all dapper in his uh, tuxedo. Uh, I know you had a couple of uh, style questions. We'll shift gears here yeah. uh, <laughs> and talk to the expert about style. Why, why are you wearing that tuxedo, Donovan? Uh, well, you know, I, I, it's it's kind of a daily uniform for me. Uh <laughs> I try to, you know, at least uh, go a little bit casual every day with the tuxedo. But uh, no, actually, it's funny. <laughs> I'm actually here uh, at my uh, my family's home in, in Kansas City. And um, I actually graduated in this tuxedo. I went to a high school where uh, they they did that. And like, you know, you buy it for prom and all that stuff. Okay. Anyways, I, I can see why the, uh, you know, in uh, a la Downton Abbey, they used to have uh, valets who would brush like the top of the tuxedo when you put it on because it's uh, it's inevitably gathered a lot of dust. But uh, anyways, yeah. So any excuse I can wear the tuxedo, I just decided, you know, we'll, we'll break it out. Um, but uh, that it still fits. I you know, that's a it's a good thing and a bad thing, because uh, like I said, like the, the shoulders are so freaking wide that I, uh, I get a little self-conscious about, you know. <laughs> about these shoulder pads that I'm wearing. This has um, got a good nineties vibe to it. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, why, why, why not? Um, but, uh, yeah, Tanner, I was going to ask you, I, you know, I'm always like looking at, uh, style guides and stuff for the years. And obviously when this is all over, uh, you know, guys are going to be interested in kind of what's, what's kind of coming around the corner in terms of style, but I'm always interested in hair. Uh, I was wondering if you had any interest, uh, any like, uh, opinions on, 
like where men's hair is at these days. Cause I actually, I Google it all. Like I Google it whenever I go to get a haircut, Mm -hmm. but I see the most ridiculous, uh, hairstyles most of the time. I mean, it's like, it's like the first thing that comes up, it looks like something out of, you know, pre-revolutionary France. Um, (laughs) so, so anyways, I wanted to see what you, what you had to say about that. Well, and that's that's a fun question because this is what happens a lot when you look up anything related to trends or fashion or anything else like that. And it's one of the reasons why I make the distinction of I teach guys how to dress stylishly. I don't teach guys fashion or anything else because trying to be able to predict what's coming down the pike and especially when you look at these big, you know, tastemakers and these influencers and these avant-garde shows and anything else like that, it's never actually about what's going to be happening. It's more about shifting our Overton window, our, our aesthetic Overton window into, well, that looks really extreme, but if we dial it back to like four or five as opposed to level 10, then all of a sudden that looks pretty mild in comparison, even though we're only at a level one or a two right now. Right. And so it's this way to kind of get us acclimated to what the extreme looks like and make things look easier. But as far as, you know, what haircuts are coming down and what's going to be popular, this is one of the things that's really interesting about the time in which we live is that you will see everything. I see right wing bodybuilders on Twitter that are doing mullets again because it's something <laughs> that is, you know, very like leaning into the 80s jock aesthetic and everything right, else. Right. You still you see guys who are going with, um, you know, crazy big pompadours still that that's been a thing forever. You see more military, like high and tight cuts. Like you see anything and everything, because depending on what the context of your environment is, are you a professional? Are you on the East coast on the West coast? Are you in the United States? Are you young? Are you old? Are you whatever? You basically, there, there's nothing that's off limits. You know, if you wanted to do the full on, like go gutter punk again and you do the giant Liberty spikes that are held up with Elmer's glue and egg yolks and they're purple and red. You can find places in New York or in London where you can still get away with haircuts like that. And so there we're moving away in hairstyles and clothing styles and everything else like that. We're moving away from the way that the world used to be, even when we were kids and growing up, let alone way before that, where there were these big mainstream kind of homogenous cultural trends that would dictate where things would go because everybody's just broken up into little tribes now and you can do whatever you want depending on what your tribe is. It's crazy. Yeah. That it's like so that. Out that bullet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my, wife, yeah. my wife and I were talking about that. It's like there's – it's really anything goes now. There's no like sort of mainstream like quote unquote fashion or style. They're just – People just kind of seem to, you know, fit into where they fit in. And it's it seems even if you're outside of that tribe, you just kind of accept it as, oh, that that's their thing. <laughs> like, it's not right. weird. Right. I remember as a kid, I was a little, you know, punk rock kid. And the first day I wore Chuck Taylors to my high school, I got made fun of like nothing else. Like, oh, look at those shoes. And it was like, and that was considered extreme. Like, no kids were wearing Chuck Taylors at that specific time right? in history. And but I don't feel like that. That's about as like entry level punk rock as it gets. Yeah, I know. Entry, it's completely entry level. And now <laughs> it's like, I don't think that would happen. I don't know. I'm not in school, but I don't think something like that would happen maybe anymore in school. But I don't know. <laughs> well, a lot of guys make the mistake of thinking then that it doesn't matter. You can wear whatever you want. Yeah. And that's not the case, too. The problem is, is that you now just have these smaller pockets with much more contextualized symbols that are being sent based on what you wear. But it's still just as important that you understand what those signals are, how to be able to send them the right way, how to not overstep or understep or anything else. Because 
if you do send these signals through your clothing that I actually don't belong to this group or that I don't understand how your social hierarchy works or anything, there are still consequences. It may not be big and mainstream, but there are still consequences that will affect your income, your family, your self-perception, your dating prospects, everything else. Yeah, of course. And same thing with motor. Go ahead, uh, Donovan. Oh, no, no. Go ahead. I I was was going to make a joke about about something I read about a guy wearing a Sons of Anarchy uh, uh, motorcycle jacket and getting beat up by some biker right? gang. <laughs> yeah. Pretty easy example of that. It's like, you got to earn the right to wear one of them. Yeah. <laughs> have it. So. Sending all the wrong signals to everybody when you do that. Yeah. Yeah. But I can wear whatever I want. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I was going to ask Tanner, uh, what? who are your... Uh, I guess who would you say is sort of your immortal style icon uh, when it comes down to it? Like I was talking to somebody about this recently, and I mean, I think of like Steve McQueen, Paul Newman, like guys who, you know, you kind of look at and you kind of said like, okay, that's like a style that either you were, you know, drawn to from the get go or that you just see as sort of a, um, you know, sort of it just is uh, immortal and it's and it's the way it lives on. That's it. Okay, let me think about that because so many guys, especially to look at the the Steve McQueens, the Cary Grants, the these guys that come from this kind of golden age of aesthetics and masculinity and all this other stuff, and they try to replicate those looks and they don't work anymore. It's cosplay now. If you try mm-hmm. and dress like it's the 40s or the 60s or whatever else, you just look like you're wearing a costume, especially because you're not that high status. You're not these guys. Your life isn't that cool. You're not that popular. And so it looks <laughs> even more like you're just wearing a costume. But there are there is something to be said for you. When you see some of these looks, I think Steve McQueen is a really good example where you know that the look wouldn't work well today. But you can still see it and it still looks good. Whereas you mm-hmm. look at a lot of stuff from the 80s and you just go, I can't believe we did stuff like that. Like, what were <laughs> right. we thinking, right? And you knew it was super popular and it was super trendy at the time. But because a lot of guys, they try and get this, they try and get this idea of timeless style. Mm-hmm. And, they, and that's what they see is they set up, they set up these kind of old school icons as being timeless. But again, even McQueen, if he were in his 30s today, wouldn't be dressing like he did in the 60s. He'd be wearing something yeah. entirely different now, right? And so it's not necessarily the clothing itself that we gravitate to. It's the – what is it? The emotion? The, the that attitude. We feel when we see it, the attitude that's portrayed when right. – th- that's coming across from them. And so it's the communication level that we look at and go, that's awesome and that's the kind of stuff that's timeless and forever. And so for me, if I think about how that works for me, this can be such a stupid and obscure reference. But there was this pop punk band that I remember listening to in my 20s called Midtown. And the, the lead them. singer, you remember Midtown? <laughs> yeah. Gabe Saporta went on to do uh, Cobra Starship. Oh, really? His I didn't whole, know like, him. synth band and everything else like that. And there's something about it. I think part of it is because there's the nostalgia component of it for me. In fact, I've still got one of their posters from like 2002 that I need to put up in my office because I look at the style and it's these bad mohawks and these really like, you know, uh, it was literally in 2002, 2003 when you couldn't buy skinny jeans. So we wore girl pants because yeah. that was the only guy <laughs> that was skinny enough. I did and that And so too. they had this like kind of boot cut bell bottom look that just looks awful now, but I still see these pictures from back then. 
And it's that same kind of attitude that when I resonate with, it's like, man, these guys are so cool. There's something about this that just sticks with me. And I could still go back and watch one of their music videos today and go, there's no way I would ever wear that now, but they still look so awesome. And part of it is because of what my emotional state was mm-hmm. and what I would thought was aspirational and everything else. And so that's probably the best answer I can come up with as far as something that even after 20 years, it still resonates with me for some reason. Yeah. That's really cool. I like, I like that ha- having a reference like that, that's out of the box. Cause it really, you are really talking about what it conveys as opposed to what it was. <laughs> Cause you never go out looking like that today. No way. It's really not that cool now, but because based on where I was and what my response to it was, it was just awesome. And that was so much of my style journey really kind of solidified after trying to dress like these guys that I, that I wanted to be like. There's a a guy that I think I don't know if you've come across him on YouTube. He has a YouTube channel called uh, his name's Ian uh, Ian McKenty, I think it is, um, and he has a, a channel called Punk Rock MBA. And he oh, goes, yes. have you seen his stuff when he goes yes. through like style of, of like yes. the scene like stuff, old skate punk and everything. Yeah. And yes, uh-huh. it's so cool that the, some of the stuff that he analyzes, there's one thing where so he's talking stuff. about like Dicky shorts and he like traced it back to like gangs in LA and like, here are these, <laughs> these, these suburban kids up North that are, you know, dressing like gang members in LA in a yep. punk band. <laughs> yep. I love that kind of stuff because there's history to all of that. You know, I remember, um, so much of the skinny girl or the skinny pants or the girl jeans started with the BMX scene that I was really involved with because it was a way to baggy stuff would get caught in your chain. It would get <laughs> caught in your chain and on your sprocket. So you would wear skinny stuff. Yeah. And then those were the same guys who would be going to shows and punk rock, especially the pop punk in that kind of emo movement and everything was like the proto social justice. And so you had a lot of these bands, like I remember the blood brothers were really androgynous in the way that they looked and they were wearing girl clothes and everything. And it was all part of this rebellion against, we hate the jocks and all this stuff that just seems so silly and superficial now. (laughs) But so many of these styles came about as a result of the, the combination of all these attitudes and these different tribes and how they all bledded and bled in and blended together and all that. And then it starts to take off and become more mainstream. Cause now, I mean, I remember getting just mercilessly teased for wearing girl pants when I was in my late teens, early twenties. And now, yeah, you still have like the roughest, like blue collar guys that say, I, you know, I would never wear skinny jeans, but it's fairly ubiquitous at this point where you just kind of say, yeah, it's not for me, but I see why guys do it for a lot of people now. Yeah. Mm. Sometimes I wish I could wear more skinny jeans, but I got huge calves. I can't, I can't yeah. pull them over my calves. I'll trade you. I'll trade you. I'll go for it. And I don't wear skinny stuff anymore. It's just slim, but I, you know, I'll, I'll take an extra two inches off your calves. And, yeah. and it's just a genetic thing. Like I didn't, like I had, like, that's the thing. Like I, we were looking at a picture of me when I was like three and like my calves were still proportional. <laughs> to like, yeah. So I'll never be able to wear skinny jeans, but I was able to wear girls pants cause they were flared at the bottom. Yes, like, I, yeah. the, the bell bottom. Uh, yeah. oh, <laughs> For years I used to only wear boot cut. Now I just buy, I buy straight. So yep. that that's kind of what fits me now, but <laughs> that's funny. Do you have any more questions Donovan about, about style? Uh, I think that's, I, I, yeah, that I, I those, not those, answer those, for you, yeah. right? <laughs> no, that's that's a that I mean that's actually the the answer that I feel like uh that's the conclusion that I've found is is most universal and true is the fact that it's usually the fact that you know somebody can put on what style you know considered uh the style of the time 
But if they don't really feel good in it and if they don't really believe it, you know, they're not going to look very good in it. They're going to look insecure. They're going to look like they don't uh, they don't really fit. And uh, I think that's the thing that I've learned most when I've been putting together my style over the day, you know, over the years is that if you feel good in it and if you're projecting the attitude that you want to project, it's not going to work all the time. But most of the time you you may end up having a hit where like, you know, you put on something like that isn't necessarily considered in, but, uh, because you really feel it, people are going to look at it and be like, Oh yeah, that, that actually works with him, you know? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that, that's, I think the, the best advice you can give to people is like, you know, you got to feel good about it and, and, you know, you have to sort of have the right attitude when you wear it. Yeah. I'll give you the, there's a Venn diagram that I used to teach this. It's three C's because you need to have confidence is absolutely one of them. And it's probably, it's arguably one of the most important ones. I remember when I was first starting my coaching business, I would put guys in what was stylish at the time. And then six months later, they were back to wearing what they were before we started working together for that exact reason. Like, yeah, I mean, I guess I looked more like I I should have been on the cover of GQ, but I felt like an idiot. I felt like a monkey wearing this stuff and people thought that I was weird. And so it made me really uncomfortable Whereas good style is supposed to really like boost your confidence. There's supposed to be the sense of congruence. And so confidence is one context is another one. That's huge, right? Because you could take the tuxedo that you've got on right now and it's fun and it's tongue in cheek to do it with quarantine and stuff like that. But if you were to wear that to work out, (laughs) then one, it's going to affect your confidence. And two, even if it didn't affect your confidence, people are going to look at you as this like weird socially obtuse guy who just doesn't quite get it. And so it doesn't matter how much you think you're killing it, but, and you know, obviously that's a really strong extreme of just like, Oh, this is what's this guy doing. But the, the context is, is a big component of it too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You you know, what's funny is that I actually brings up a a good thing that I, uh, I recently, well, before, you know, quarantine, I, I was going to the gym quite a bit Uh and, uh, this new trend, a lot of guys are working out in jeans and it's really, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have yeah, not seen this. this. I wonder I've if this is a KC thing. <laughs> I didn't, well, it's not, it wasn't in KC. It was okay. in LA. Interesting. It was really funny. Cause, um, I've, you know, I, you know, I, I love military history and stuff. And I know the seals used to always do stuff in blue uh-huh. jeans back in the sixties, but that was more out of utility. Like, right. you know, they would wear them in, in water and stuff and they, they were just tough. They would, they wouldn't rip or anything like that. But, uh, these guys at the gym, they were working on their jeans and stuff. And I think for a few of them, I, I got the sense that maybe it was just like, a convenience thing. Like they didn't want to change into workout uh-huh. clothes. Like they literally just wanted to pop into the gym. But for a couple of other guys, I felt like, wow, they're really like going off of some trend or something. Yeah. I don't like know if it's something gun vibe. They're going back to the volleyball. Maybe, yeah. Or, I mean, yeah. it might even be something in the gay community or something. I'm not <laughs> entirely sure. <laughs> this wasn't like, this was like where the, uh, the gold's gym in uh, Hollywood. So right. you know, you, it, like that community is kind of prominent there. But, um, it was, it was, it was a bizarre trend example though, right? Yeah. Cause enough people do it. And then it creates this context yeah. where you, that you're one of us. And if you were to do that in your gym now, or if I were to do that in the gym here in Utah, it's like, what are you, this is weird. <laughs> Why are you wearing jeans, jeans in here? Yes. Yeah, and so good. That's a perfect that. example of that context. Yeah. And then the third one is, is, um, competence. Because you have to actually be able to to be able to understand aesthetics and put things together in a way that works. And 
And so, you know, a, a really good example of this um, is like uh, Jim Halpert from The Office, right? He wears stuff that's appropriate within the context, and he's equally confident without the, with the, throughout the whole seasons. But his stuff fits better and it looks better as you get into later seasons. And so it sends a better message as far as I'm not just here begrudgingly. I've got more stuff going on. And so there's that, that competence aspect that comes in with it as well. That's a great illustration. That's a, that's a really good you know, example. Yeah. Speaking like of Jim from the office, that's where you stole your tuxedo idea, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, actually it occurred to me after I put it on, cause there is a gag in the office. Where he, I think they, they come up with dress code for the office or something. And as a joke to, to get back at Dwight, he wears a tuxedo, but it's the day that Idris Elba like yes. the new kind of hard nosed <laughs> boss comes in and this is a perfect, yeah, this, this works perfect totally example. what you're saying. Yeah. He goes up to introduce himself to Idris Elba because he knows that he's important in the hierarchy. And he, the first thing Idris Elba says is like, he's like, why are you wearing a tuxedo? <laughs> and like Jim tries to explain it to him, but because Idris Elba isn't from the, you know, he's not from the office exactly. and you know, he's also personality wise, not doesn't really have a sense of humor. It, it works against Jim in a big way the rest of the episode. <laughs> Perfect totally example. And it doesn't matter how confident he was feeling when he got in there yep. that morning. Yep. yep. Oh, man, that's There we go. <laughs> All right. Well, Tanner, <laughs> if people want to find you and get more of your advice, uh, where, where can they go? So the best way in the, 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 the areas that I'm the most active are on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me there. It's at Tanner Guzzi. So T-A-N-N-E-R-G-U-Z-Y. Um, just like we did in this conversation I talk about basically anything self-development related, fatherhood, entrepreneurship, masculinity, religion, style, all of it. My main bread and butter as far as the business is style and stuff like that. But just like you guys are and just like I assume most of the listeners are, um, one-dimensional people are boring. <laughs> it's so much more <laughs> fun to engage with people who talk about how all of this is interrelated. And so those are the two most active platforms you can find me on. If you want to get more about just purely the style stuff, then you can go to masculine-style.com and uh, check out a lot of the articles that are there. I even have a style quiz that will help you guys get pointed in the right direction, which I know we talked about on the last episode. And uh, if you want to see more tips on that uh, quarantine video, you can look me up on YouTube. Same thing, Tanner Guzzi there. And uh, I dove a little bit deeper on some some advice that I could give you guys on how to survive family quarantine on a video. It's actually my most recent video, so you can go check that one out. Definitely. Well, be sure to link nice. all those in the show notes, too. And thanks so much, man, for doing this again. We'll yeah. have to have you on uh, after all this is over. And uh, <laughs> I love the show. I would love to come back on again. You guys are a blast. So thanks for having me on again. Thanks again. Oh, this man. is great, man. Thanks. Stay safe. This part of the show is brought to you by Phoenix Shaving, makers of the most excellent aftershaves, shaving soaps, and all things traditional man. One of my favorite products of theirs are their aftershaves. Phoenix Shaving intentionally blurs the lines between traditional aftershave and classic cologne. Each batch of aftershave cologne is created by using traditional perfuming methods, giving the wearer a high dose of quality skin food matched by the staying power of berry white. Now I tell you this stuff is amazing. It'll it'll make your skin feel great after a shave and the alum and menthol just removes all irritation and razor bumps. Um, they have classic barber scents and even more creative soap and aftershave fragrances. Like my favorite is the tombstone scent. It smells like leather, tobacco, and gunpowder. Pretty unique. 
So ditch those vials of chemicals you buy at the drugstore every month and grab some artisan soap and aftershaves from Phoenix Shaving. Go to GentlemanScofflaw.com slash shave to help support the show and get some fantastic manly grooming products. Phoenix Shaving. Shaving outside the box. All right. Um, gr- great guest as usual. It's fun to be able to say great guest as usual that we've been around long enough to have people back now and people still yeah, want dude. to come back. <laughs> he's a he's a he's a he's a winner. I I, I like Tanner a lot. He's yeah. he's just, uh, you know, uh, a renaissance man if there ever was one. It's true. And also a bit of a rebel. A bit I, of a rebel, a so bit of a renaissance man. Also, that segment brought to you by the word of the day. Auto autodidact. I w- completely <laughs> forgot the word. Yeah. Uh, because I, I stored it away in the back of my head. Yeah. When he said autodidact, I was like, or autodidact, I was like, um, what is that? Like I had I had like a a vision in my head of like a duck for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why, but I was like, oh yeah, ducks an autodidact. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that's true. Um, but yeah, when he said that, I was like, wow, this this uh, this is an educated person that it we're is. talking to. Did, did you? I, he, he may be above. Did you uh, remember <laughs> level above? <laughs> you he know what, be. what? 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 You know, maybe he's he's a special guest. He is. Uh, do you remember what that means? Because I had to look it up at at the at the. Oh, I, I I have not. I I have not All looked right. it up. I I I just left that that image of the duck. Just. <laughs> We just, in my head as a screensaver. We just, uh, we just like, oh yeah, yeah, sure, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever you say. <laughs> oh <laughs> say yeah, Tanner, totally. Tanner, I don't want to call yeah, him we, on it. Uh, yeah. So it meant it's uh, also fun being bipedal as well. <laughs> bipedal, you know? yeah, yeah, bipedal. Uh, <laughs> so it's a self-taught person. Uh, okay. Makes sense. Yeah, I'd say uh, you know I'm an autodidact of sorts. Yeah. I can walk and talk and chew gum at the same time. Well, there you go. That's that's what qualifies you as an autodidact. <laughs> um, you know what time it is. Mm. It's time to round and around. Why am I? <laughs> it's time. Wow. It's this just, day drinking that's getting. I just queued you up for that. Totally. <laughs> this, this You're clearly time. not an autodidact. It's time to announce the winner of last month's giveaway, and the winner is. Uh oh. Doug. Richardson 13. Uh, thank you for entering the giveaway. Uh, Doug Richardson the 13th? Yeah, wow. the 13th. Yeah. That's a very long line of it Doug is. Richardson's. Very long line of them. Um, yeah. You're going to get the Agartha aftershave cologne and as well as a little uh, co- gentleman's cough lock koozie. You can put your simpler times in. And uh, we'll send that out to you uh, in the coming weeks. And uh, we've got another giveaway for this month. We are giving away. Uh, it's called the Garden of Bali uh, aftershave Ooh, and cologne. Um, Bali, very exotic. Also, this is a special edition, or, or not special edition, but it's out of production. So uh, this wow. is a rarity. 
It's a collector's item. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but it looks like it's got, uh, I was able to find a, a review on a website here, but it's supposed to have some, it says, an all-day unfolding of untethered freshness and tropical night mystique, manly, alluring, and curious. Nice. Uh, so it's got a citrus marine bouquet with top notes of lime, lemon, grapefruit, orange, orange blossom, and sea salt. You know what? This sounds like the perfect scent for summer. It does. I'm just gonna say it. You throw on a Hawaiian shirt and exactly. splash a little bit of that on your uh, on your mug, and I think you're gonna be uh, attracting all the ladies. Of course, yeah. uh, of yeah. course. So if you want to join that, go to our Instagram link in the show notes, um, and uh, just read how you can enter in on that. Uh, well, again, of course, courtesy of Phoenix Shaving. And when you win. Let us know how you feel about it. Yeah, take a give snap. Us a, uh, give us a little review of yourself. You know how how it's how it's changed your life. Exactly. Um, if people want to support the show, Donovan, how can they do that? <laughs> Always give me the hard questions. Um, <laughs> so you can support us by one buying merch, uh, as uh, as Jordan said. Uh, there are beer koozies, and there are flip flops, and there are. Uh, mugs and beer glasses and all sorts of wonderful things uh, via the website. Also, you can listen to us on most platforms. I don't think (laughs) we're not on my favorite platform, SoundCloud and uh, Google. uh, We are. We are on Google Podcasts. Okay. Well, that's all that counts because that's the only one I'm listening to these days. But yeah, we're on Google Podcasts, we're on Spotify, right? Uh Uh-huh. We're on. That's that's the most that matters. Um, we're on YouTube. We're on. Uh, we we also have a Twitter account. We have uh, Instagram and and all that good stuff. So you can like us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, you can uh, listen to our podcasts. You will get something out of it because we are a wealth of knowledge and and charm and and class. Sages um, of unconventional wisdom here. At indeed, the indeed. Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah, you look much less fancy sneezing in your tuxedo that's when, my true, that's when my true masculinity comes out that's when the rogue comes out when i just have to absolutely just let it rip um but yeah i think those are the main ways that you can support us i think unless i'm forgetting yeah, something jordan that's please, it that's it know. patreon too there's always patreon and then all those ways patreon, uh, yes yes uh, like i said you you, it's a it's a tip for tat, you know. You we will we we work very hard to 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 uh, give you everything. Yeah. So uh, we don't expect anything back. But if you if you happen to find it in your hearts from the bottom of your glasses, <laughs> oh, you sound like uh, Tiny Tim. <laughs> I I just I just need some script. Uh, actually, no, I was about to steal a character from Bobby Moynihan there. Oh no. Have, oh no. That wouldn't be cool. Don't want Bobby Moynihan coming to my house yeah. in the middle of the night. No, that would God that bless would. us, everyone. <laughs> All right. Uh so Donovan, you are a gentleman in the scofflaw, my friend. As are you. You guys are gentlemen in the scofflaws, my friends. And you guys have a great week. This has been the Gentleman's Scofflaw Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher. Visit us on the interwebs at gentlemanscofflaw.com. 
captain says, there's ice on the river, we ain't getting home if we don't break through. So damn cold, I can't help but shiver. Rise and shine, we got work to do. Hey!